Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, sorry I've been gone so long, and thank you for waiting patiently while I took a year off of podcasting to, like, live life. I'm starting over, though, and we're going to just call this season two. There's not going to be any particular theme for season two. I am just going to talk about a couple diseases that I have been seeing in the hospital and that my colleagues have, and I wish there were more resources to share with you all, so I'm just going to make them. What I want to talk about today is anaplasmosis in dogs. I had a case last week, and I think Dr. Carley had one the week before. So there are two types of anaplasmosis in dogs. Well, I I should back up a step. Anaplasmosis is a disease of the blood that can cause death and is caused by a bacteria. Now, there are two major bacteria. One of them is called anaplasma phagocytophilum. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right because it's a word I read, not heard. And then anaplasma platus. So the one that we most commonly see is the anaplasma platus, and that's what I'm going to talk about in the majority of this podcast. However, I am going to touch on the other one first, just to get it out of the way. So for starters, that first one, the phagocytophilum, that one can affect dogs, humans, cattle, multiple species, Those are some of the species we care about since we're included in there. So two minutes on cattle, (laughs) just two minutes. First of all, we don't have anaplasmosis in our cattle up north here, but the way that cattle move, you can buy cattle from down south and they come up and they could be potentially carrying that. And if you live in a place that has deer ticks, and much of Minnesota does, we do not have a real high incidence of deer tick, which is ixoides. I hope I'm saying that right too. Um, we're just going to say deer tick. We don't have a lot of that in Lyon County, Yellow Medicine, Lincoln, but you go north and you go east and you're going to find it. You get into Wisconsin and other parts of the United States and that deer tick is quite prevalent. So that's the one that spells, that is the one that spreads this form of anaplasmosis. So it felt affects adult cattle. So the calves are rarely affected, but you will find adult animals just dead, most commonly late summer or fall. And if you catch them before they're dead, you'll see weakness, loss of appetite. Um, If you can get real up close and personal, they will be pale mucous membranes, maybe yellow tinged. Um, In the end stage, they'll be open mouth breathing. And why that happens is because the red cells are being exploded by the bacteria. So this disease used to have another name. It used to be called Ehrlichia, but scientists and the people that classify bacteria, they are constantly changing the name as they learn more about the bacteria involved. That's one great thing about science, and I'm not trying to get political, but scientists are always willing to improve, to admit their mistakes. As they find out new things, they actually change their mind, change their tune as they learn more information. Like, what a great policy to live life on. Like, change as you learn new stuff. 
always change to know more and be better. So I digress. So this anaplasm bovine, it is actually a problem, problem worldwide. So anaplasmosis in humans, um, yeah, it's fevers, chills, headache, um, kind of generic signs. I think the doctors that live in places and people that have this disease are on the lookout for it as they are Lyme disease because these two diseases often go hand in hand. Um, the same tick that spreads Lyme also spent spreads anaplas. So the good news for a person, not so good news for a pet or a cow, is the tick has to be attached for 12 to 24 hours before it's going to transmit it. So hopefully you're, if you or I have a tick, we do a tick check before we go to bed and we get those little suckers pulled off. Where you're not tick checking your cows and hopefully you're tick checking your dog or even better, hopefully you're using an appropriate product, veterinary approved and sold, prescription tick prevention. We have found that the over-the-counters, they just don't cut it. And this is a serious disease, one that could kill your dog. And I'm sorry, cat friends, but cats really aren't affected by this. There's so much they don't know. They really, I think I found two cases in the literature of cats that are affected with anaplasma. So good deal. One of the reasons is maybe cats are good tick pickers. They groom themselves. If they were to get a tick, they were to have it off their body before it could be attached for 12 to 24 hours. So with that said, I have seen ticks on cats. Flea and tick control for outdoor cats is super duper important. The type of anaplasmosis that we don't see in our local Marshall, Minnesota area, but you may have in your area of the country or the world, depending on where you're listening, the A-phagocytophyllum causes lameness, joint pain, fever, off food. It's usually one to seven days post-infection, but it can be up to a couple weeks. And those are almost the exact same signs as Lyme disease. Like I said, so many times when testing is done, they are positive for both. But you know what? I'm done talking about that. We're going to talk about anaplasma platus, which is what we see here. So what does this disease look like? The case I saw last week, the dog came in with not wanting to eat, not being herself, and vomited a few times, and owners thought maybe her ears were hot. So this was a year and a half old dog, and she's extremely active, borderline hyper, and she was very quiet and manageable at the clinic. Um, we did a physical exam. It was relatively unremarkable. Her color was still nice and pink, but we took her temperature, and it was 104.5. Now, they had mentioned that they had been up north for 4th of July and that the dog had had ticks on it. Now, we try to ask that as just part of our basic um, sick dog questionnaire. We also like to know what kind of products they're on. And that particular dog, the owner thought that it was on Brevecto, but the wife was the one that gave the medicine, and he was unsure of that. That was kind of my first, like, wait a second. Um, you guys were pulling ticks off the dog, yet the dog is on this extremely effective flea and tick medicine, Brevecto. So that was kind of a a little thing in the back of my mind that thought I better I better check into that. So 
Anyway, with that high fever, I didn't just want to assume that the dog had a flu bug. It really hadn't been around other dogs. Um, it wasn't coughing. It didn't have any obvious signs of urinary tract, pneumonia, GI upset, just a little bit of vomiting. So the owners consented to a CBC, which is a complete blood count, which tells us so many things. And this podcast is not going to be about CBCs. So I'm just going to say quickly that we noticed on this CBC that the white count was normal, but the platelets were low. Now, this particular dog was a little bit of a tough blood draw, and it was a little slow, and sometimes we can use up some of the platelets as that blood starts to clot in our syringe. So I wanted to be extra sure that that was real, so we did a second blood draw, and sure enough, the platelets were still low. Very low. The number was 55 on our scale. And we actually start worrying about dogs bleeding to death, um, having skin bruising and petechia, which are little bleeds in the mouth and anywhere on the skin, actually. That starts happening at like 80. So I was nervous. There are a couple other conditions that can cause this low platelet. One of them is actually autoimmune disease. And it looks very similar. That's where history becomes really important. And testing is important too, but here's the catch with anaplas. And this is the biggest frustration is the in-house test that we do, the 40X test, which is an amazing test. Every dog in Minnesota should be getting it at least once a year and then repeated when they're sick. That test does not show an acute infection. It shows exposure and it shows anaplas positive after the after the fact. But if your dog comes in with a fever in the middle of the actual clinical signs, we usually don't have a positive. Sometimes it's very, very faint and just starting to convert. But essentially, the disease is so fresh, the animal has not had a chance to amount any kind of immune response or to have a high enough antigen load yet to be detected. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure if that test is checking antibodies or antigen. I think it's antigen, but I honestly don't know. I'm going to look it up. Not this second, though, but I'm going to look it up and maybe add it to the end of the podcast or edit it in, in the middle. So a lot of times we just have to go on history. Well, with the history of being up north and with the history of probably having ticks on it, I thought the most likely thing was the anaplas. I wasn't completely going to discount that autoimmune was a possibility, but I had a plan that if the dog did not respond to the antibiotic within 24 to 48 hours, I was going to go to plan B, which would be adding an immunosuppressive dose of prednisone. So that's the good thing about anaplas is it's kind of a wimp. It responds really to a couple different medications. The most common one that we grab for is doxycycline, which is relatively inexpensive. It's got great tissue penetration, and it's a great broad-spectrum drug that we can use for so many different things, anything from kennel cough to anal gland infections to um, abscess tooth. It's just a super versatile drug. Some of the disadvantage of this medication is it can occasionally cause upset belly. And if you get it or your dog or your cat um, gets it lodged in their esophagus or has any kind of stomach reflux after taking it, it can cause a pretty severe esophagitis. So um, 
when we dispense that drug with you, we always give a little warning to give it with a little food and make sure to do a water chaser or make sure that the dog and the cat eat and drink after taking it. So back to anaplas. I think I forgot to mention that the tick that causes the cyclic thrombocytopenic anaplasmosis, the kind that we see in our area, is actually not the deer tick. It is the brown dog tick, and that's everywhere, Um, everywhere in Minnesota. I do believe the deer tick can carry it, but here locally, we have the brown dog tick. Now, excuse me, with that said, a lot of the dogs that are coming to our clinic with signs of anaplasmosis have been traveling So I do think there's a higher incidence up north in Minnesota. I didn't mention this, but horses can get anaplasmosis too. But I promise I can't include that in the episode. That would just be way too exciting for everyone listening. So, um, but they definitely see it up north. So I can't say whether my particular patient got it locally or up north, but I believe it happened up north. So like I said, I'm sorry I'm jumping around. I haven't podcasted in a year. It's going to take me a bit to get my groove back. There are several blood tests, but the one that we use has a delayed positive. So there are other tests that you can send out too, but you cannot wait. When you have no platelets, just a bump, a fall off a couch, um, a small laceration could cause the dog to bleed and bleed and bleed very seriously. They can literally bleed internally. They can bleed into their lungs. They can bleed into their abdomen, their bladder, anything. So even if we were to send out additional testing for a lab, we are not going to wait for treatment. We're going to start that doxycycline. And they respond. They respond very well. Fever comes down in 24 to 48 hours. Platelet numbers go back up. Not overnight, but usually within a few days when we repeat that CBC, we see the platelet numbers go back up. So one thing that we do learn from this, whether we see a positive after the fact on the 40X test, which means, yep, your dog got exposed to anaplas, you're lucky, lucky it didn't get sick, is that your dog does not have appropriate tick control. And I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad or shame anyone, but when you live in Minnesota, your dogs, inside and out, because inside dogs are going outside to go potty, they have got to have tick control. And yeah, I get it. It's expensive. But you know what? A new dog is expensive. It's really expensive, especially when you don't have just the purchase price of a new dog. But you have all the puppy shots. You have all of the spay and neuter and everything. So please just spend the money, um, which amounts to, I don't know, 20 bucks a month for flea and tick control in your pet and prevent this disease. Just one case reminds me that it's just not worth it. A couple things we don't know about anaplas is if there's any kind of carrier state. like. If we see a dog on their annual exam and they do their 40X test and we get an anaplas positive, the gurus have told us in the past, you don't need to treat that dog. It means they had it in the past, they amounted immune response, everything is good. But you know what? Sometimes the people that know more than us change their mind. So the most recent information that I saw 
shows that if you have got an anaplast positive on your 4DX yearly screening, you at least need to do a CBC and maybe have a conversation about lifestyle, tick control, and whether or not it is warranted to do a course of doxycycline. If your pet has another disease that causes immunosuppression or a concurrent illness, liver disease, kidney disease, heart murmurs, um, a history of autoimmune, anything that might make that immune system not as strong as it should be, perhaps even an elderly dog. So we need to look at those more carefully where honestly 10 Maybe even five years ago with anaplas positive, I would have just said, yep, your dog was exposed. You don't need to worry about it now. Um, It's kind of after the fact. I won't say that anymore. I think we need to look a little closer um, at treating those dogs and what kind of risk um, they have for potentially having a dormant state become fulminant. So the other thing I want to mention is if your dog is anaplas positive on this 4DX screen, it means that you have been exposed to anaplas also, assuming you're out with your dog, assuming that you're going on that hike or sitting under the trees up at your lake cabin. So honestly, dogs are a little bit of the canary in the coal mine for so many diseases that can affect people. Um, The big one is Lyme disease. So I don't want to go off on another tangent because I wasn't going to do that in season two. Um, But veterinarians don't get a lot of credit as being part of public health. And that has become very apparent during COVID when big corporations like Peloton did not give veterinarians any kind of discount when they were discounting other health workers. Same with Lululemon. You know, Lululemon gives a discount to healthcare workers, but not veterinarians. So it's pretty safe to say that these companies don't understand the concept of One Health. One Health is a worldwide holistic approach that acknowledges that people, plants, and animals are all connected. You cannot separate them when it comes to our health. People eat plants and animals. Diseases are shared between plants and animals. We need healthy plants that live in a healthy environment and healthy animals so that we can stay healthy. Look at our recent COVID. It is believed that that is a mutation from an animal. Now, that doesn't mean that we exterminate all animals. It doesn't mean that we try to separate. Instead, we have a collaborative, multi-discipline, transdiscipline approach to one health. So, yes, I do consider myself a healthcare worker for you as a human, even though I'm a veterinarian. That would be a fun other podcast. I think of all the things that I do in a day that look like they're for your dog and your cat, but they're actually to keep you and your family healthy. The obvious one is rabies vaccines, um, but there's so much more. But we're going to save that one. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Please do your yearly screening for the 4DX test. That's the IDEX test. That's the one we use at Marshall Animal Clinic. There are some other brands. I believe Huska has one called Flex Free. Um, ask your veterinarian if I am not your veterinarian or you are not a patient of the Marshall Animal Clinic whether or not you are getting the screening test. And guess what? 
even if you live somewhere where you don't think that your pet is exposed, have you traveled with your pet? Did your neighbor's dog travel or the playmate at daycare? Is maybe the other dog at daycare skimping on their flea and tick prevention and one of those ticks got on your dog and you just forgot to give your tick prevention? Yeah, like it's a slippery slope. So um, please take us seriously when we recommend that. Don't forget your tick control. And um, yeah, have a super great day. I hope your dog does not get anaplast.